Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is June 11th, 1946. It has been nine months since the Second World War, a war that killed millions. Today, oh yes, today, we have a special guest here on the show, an American hero. We have First Lieutenant Mr. Elijah Germain. Mr. Germain has been a part of the Army for over five years. He was one of the captives during the war, and today he is here with us to share his difficulties and hardships throughout the war. Without further ado, First Lieutenant Elijah Germain. We are honored to have an American soldier with us here today. Glad to be here, Ms. Rios. I know it's been a difficult nine months, mentally and physically regaining from the war. Yeah, but it's been tough. However, everything is going back to normal little by little. Now tell me, what was one of the most difficult battles? I would say the Battle of Bulge. It was almost a one-month war from December 16th, 1944 to January 25th, 1945. It was the coldest winter yet since I was deployed. The snow sank into our boots like a wet dog. The gunfire was loud like you're right next to a radio. Men getting blasted, leaving their souls on an icy plane. Where, did, where exactly did you fight this battle? Do you remember arriving and what it was like? What was your assignment? Did you see combat? The battle took place in the western front of Germany. We came in jeeps. We were all anxious, not knowing what was upon us. I definitely was in combat, and my main assignment was to defend my country and get my soldiers back home safely. We were quickly maneuvered. Calls came in from general, and we were supposed to protect the western front and resist German invaders. We were outnumbered, but we had hope. It was an ongoing battle with planes dropping big clusters of bombs. If you were lucky enough not to get hit, airstrikes every minute. I was a part of the 103rd Airborne Squad. It was five of us, John, Mason, Williams, and our squad leader, Captain Johnson. But it was on that day I would have never seen them again, not knowing their whereabouts after the war, not knowing if they died or made it back home. Can you tell us a little something on what the food was like? Did you have plenty of supplies? Did you feel pressure or stress? Was there something special you did for good luck? The food was the best we could get. Everything was good to me. The food they gave us was the last real meal before I, I had before I was captured by the crowds. And yes, there was a lot of pressure on, on me, not only for my soldiers, but I had a family back home. They were depending on me coming back. My father always gave me a dice and just told me, breathe, everything is going to be fine. But that thought quickly erased when I was on the verge of death. Wow, that is so inspiring and amazing. Your father really was a comfort in your time of desperation and anxiety. You heard it yourself, folks. Breathe, everything is going to be fine. Till next time. After the war, we came to know that Germany had concentration camps in different cities. Today, we know that there were more than 42,000 camps and other incineration sites. These sites were used for forced labor, detention of people thought to be enemies of the state, and mass murder. There were over 120,000 prisoners of war captured at one point during the six-year battle. First Lieutenant Elijah Germain was one of those 120,000 prisoners of war. Mr. Germain, can you tell us about your experience in captivity and when freed? Yes, Ms. Rios, I was held captive during part of the war. Can you tell us how you got captured? 
Well, like I said before, it was the Battle of Bulge. The comms went out. I couldn't call for backup. Then, boom, I blacked out. When I started to get back up, there were about 10 crowds surrounding me with guns. I had no choice but to go with them. All I heard was them shouting, half thing, half thing, which means prisoner in German. Where were you taken after the Germans captured you? They made us march about an hour or so to the nearest railroad. If you stopped, you were shot. If you talked, you were shot. These people were sick, cruel, and cold-blooded. So we got on a train, which is very cramped, about 100 people a car. When we arrived to the destination, there was snow dropping down like little angels, which always brought joy to me, to me. Soon to find out, those were ashes of people. The place I entered was called Dachau. These, there were people that didn't look like people, dead bodies everywhere. See, at the time, nobody knew about these camps. They were never noticed. When we first saw these things, I thought to myself and said, this is the place where I die. There was no hope in me and nobody could save me. This is the end. In your captivity, was there any way to, for you to communicate with your family? Sadly, my family had no idea I was in captivity until I came back home. They thought that my service was extended. Although the army knew about my captivity and my family was never notified. That is so sad to hear. I would have been mortified to find out that my husband was in captivity. Was there any specific daily routine that the prisoners had? Would you say that the Nazis were diligent in their goals? Indeed, we had a routine that I'll never forget. We woke up on sunrise and were given the nastiest coffee I ever tasted. It was like dirt and water mixed together. Then we would go to our assigned locations. My assigned job was to dig up ditches. We were never told what they were for, but there was a rumor it was for dead bodies. I came to the same conclusion because the day after the hole we have digged up, the day before was filled and covered the next day. Sadly, the Nazis were diligent in their goals because in the end we were informed that there are more, more than 206,000 prisoners and 31,000 deaths. Wow, that's horrendous. That is almost the whole population of my home city, Linden. I appreciate for your time today, and I hope you can continue with this interview tomorrow. Thank you, Ms. Rios. I'll, I would be honored to come back and answer a few questions. And we are back with an honored guest. Our last topic that we will talk about is his return home. A quick fact, the Department of Veteran Affairs National Center for PTSD estimated that one in 20 of the nation's 2.5 million surviving World War II vets suffered from this disorder. It is sad, but it is true. Every veteran is different and we had a different and had a different experience and learned new things and was affected in a different way. So now we will hear about Mr. Germain's experience. Thank you for having me back. My experience through the Army protecting my country had its ups and downs. I doubted myself, but I have learned from my falls and shifted my life for better. Do you recall the day that your service ended? Where were you? How did you get home? What did you do in the days and weeks afterwards? I wished to finish my service, but I was captured. I was eventually freed when the French came to the camp shortly after I was captured. They had a special treatment for me because they knew I was an American soldier. Therefore, they sent me back to the beaches of Dunkirk, where there were many allies. Then I was taken back to home base where I was treated with the most honor 
out of my fellow acquaintances. I was done. It was over. I couldn't believe it. How did your service and experience affect your life? Is there anything you would like to add that we have not covered in this interview? Did you go to work or did you go back to school? Well, I first wanted to go home to see my wife. It's been five years since. But the service made me change. I wasn't in a right state of mind. I heard Every time I heard a loud noise, I thought it was a gunshot. Every time I heard a scream or yell, I thought it was a death or somebody dying. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as when I left. Things different. Times have changed. It's so impactful how specific experience can impact your whole life. Now tell us a funny story that you experienced that you could that could only happen in the military. Uh, there were a lot of funny things that the guys would say. You know, <laughs> we would pick, we will pull dumb pranks on each other. Only my five though. One time after we moved into a German village, we all went to the bar, but we were obviously tar- targets. So they spiked Captain's drink. He ended up with a German broad that night, and we picked him up uh, the day after. We were joking about him since the last day I saw him, and yeah, that was it. Oh, that's so funny. I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. You are a living hero of the United States of America. We want to thank you for your service and for sharing the difficult times that you had. I know that this interview will impact thousands, just how it impacted me. We thank you, sir, for appearing on the show. It was glad to entertain. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you.